Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Chip Nellinger. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Also, Tractor Zoom delivering insights. If you're looking for what's happening in the auction marketplace and a great way to track what's going on out there in the overall spectrum of trends and those kind of things, uh, what inventories look like on the auctions and those kind of stuff, check out tra- Tractor tractor zooms iron comps and you'll get all the latest information that you can find well chip is with blue reef agri-marketing of morton illinois and we, we typically do this in the morning and i thought you know what we should probably wait and see what happens with this report because typically this isn't that big of a deal but there was a uh, quite a bit of action here chip so let's, let's rewind here look at yesterday for example everybody was kind of kind of shoring up their long positions it looks like and they were selling off plus you got in a quarter in a month those kind of things happen too but uh basically everything was put down sharply yesterday i think wheat was down 15 i think soybeans are down like 26 corners down seven and a half you know so on and so forth and this uh, report comes out and everything is just limit up so i guess as you uh take a look at this report let's break it down and and kind of walk through what happened here yeah pretty explosive <clears throat> Pretty explosive. Uh, it came out uh, the exact opposite that anyone expected. And if they tell you otherwise, they're lying to your face. Everybody thought that the market kind of had the acres pretty well dialed in. And then the real wild card, what could be re- very friendly, was the quarterly stocks report. It was actually the exact opposite of that. The, uh, the stocks report was pretty benign. And the acreage was where all the fireworks were. And so you, you hit the nail on the head. The, the market had sold off pretty sharply, actually, uh, in the week or, or 10 days ahead of this report today. And so commodity funds were down to about a net long position of about 90,000 contracts in the beans. And that's about 120, 30,000 contracts under where they were at the peak. They still were long quite a bit of corn. Uh, but the dollar had been rallying. So, you know, some of it I think was just into the quarter window dressing money flow type stuff, but this report comes out today. I mean, it was a mind blower, uh, on the acreage. So, you know, the market was very fearful of a big, big corn acreage number. Um, you know, some private estimates out there, even, you know, kind of talking about 
the potential for 95, 96 million corn acres. The average estimate was 93.2. We came out with an actual here today of 91.14, so 2.06 million acres below the average estimate. It was actually about uh, 700, uh, actually 850,000 acres below the lowest estimate. And so corn immediately went limit up on that news. Now, you would have thought with that low of a corn acreage number that the bean acreage number would be very high in uh, kind of give and take. But we didn't see that either. Uh, the market had expected right at about 90 million acres. Uh, the high end was uh, 91 and a half. They came out at 87.6, 2.39 million acres under the average. And again shot the bean market limit up. So some of this extreme move in the limit up was caused by that big sell-off that we had going into the report. But man, this is uh, this is a head scratcher and the market's going to really debate this going forward, right? Because if you add up the total major crops uh, from like 2016 through 2018, you got to kind of take away 19 and 20 because of all the prevent plant stuff. But that total uh, average of those total major crops from 2016, 2018, 318.8 million acres. This year, if you add them all up, 316.16. So you could argue there's a couple million acres that you know are kind of missing. Where'd they go? I don't know. Uh, Twitter's blowing up trying to figure that out. I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you because there was nothing outwardly uh, apparent as you look down some of the major crops, you know, we did have the, the wheat acres uh, a couple million higher than what the average estimate was. But as you look at some of these minor crops, uh, you know, sorghum was up a million, hay down a half a million acres, oats down a half a million, rice down 300,000 acres, sorghum got record uh, strong sorghum basis in the plains. Uh, as up a million acres in the sorghum. Um, but you know, there's a couple million acres that you could argue are kind of, kind of missing right now. Um, they won't change that at a minimum until the June 30th acreage report. That's when the next time they'll revisit acreage. That's supposed to be the final acreage number at the end of June due to prevent plant the last couple of years. That hasn't been the case. And they've done resurveys because of late planting and made some revisions all the way up into the January crop report. But in a normal, quote-unquote, normal year, the June 30th report will be uh, the final acreage number. So we got, um, you know what, three months here, um, and we're going to go off of those numbers. And the issue is when you plug those acreage numbers in and trend line yields and assume the demand that the Ag Outlook Forum from the USDA in February had plugged in for corn and beans – I mean, even with big crops, we're about out of beans and we're pretty tight on corn. And so that's the main reason for the, the limit up. The stocks numbers, again, this isn't ending stocks. This is quarterly stocks. So they do a snapshot of stocks in um, farmer-owned storage, commercial grain elevators, barges, and trains in transit anything that's not been shipped out of the country yet as of March 1st. And um, so those came in about as expected, 7.7 billion bushels on corn. That was 66 million bushels below the average estimate. 
it was 251 million bushels lower than a year ago on March 1st. So we, you know, the, we know that we have big demand and, and uh, good exports. And so it was as expected lower than a year ago, but nothing uh, that would have said, Hey, we got to be limit up on the beans, actually 1.56 billion bushels. That was 23 million bushels above the average estimate. But, um, you know, we know it's tight out there and not many old crop beans left 691 million bushels lower than a year ago, March 1st, uh, quarterly stocks in the wheat number, 1.3 billion, 36 million bushels above the average. So those were all pretty good, um, in line, pretty well in line with what the, the uh, pre-report estimates were. So the market did a really good job of actually kind of pegging the stocks number, but, uh, really off on acres and, uh, you know, for the good now, you know, limit up in, uh, in corn and beans, both sharply higher in the uh, soy products had wheat was actually probably arguably a little bearish. Um, but it was, it's going to follow corn. So now you have a, a, a short week here. There's no markets Friday for good Friday. Yeah. Uh, normal day tomorrow, Thursday, and you've got expanded limits in the grain. So we could see some fireworks here. Um, so it's, uh, it, it sets the stage Casey for a real interesting, uh, growing season here. And the bar is extremely high. Any minor blip anywhere along the way with too wet, like it is in the South right now. Uh, too dry, like, you know, the the northern plains are trending that way. That continues into, uh, you know, June, July, August. This market could get extremely explosive. Um, I don't want to get too bulled up. I think as a producer, you have to still look at profitability and use this rally as an opportunity to, you know, put yourself in a position whether that, and there's multiple ways to do that. You can make sales and attach calls, or you can buy puts. Either way, uh, the upside's open. In case we have a hiccup, we're going to some stupid numbers to the to the upside. And uh, but you know, <laughs> a lot of things can change between now and fall too. And uh, we yeah. could find these acres back. We could see demand, which is at a massively large estimate right now. We can see demand shrink and disappoint the dollars starting to rally we got to really watch that in the into the second quarter obviously a lot of financial market things and political things happening so there, there are some things that could throw a monkey wrench in this but uh, at face value today wow wildly wildly bullish from a from an acreage standpoint all right so with what you just rambled out there how's south america fit in that mix so we're far enough along that South America, I think we've digested a, a, a lot of that, right? They're 70 plus percent um, harvested on their beans in Brazil. They're still ongoing in, in Argentina. So we're kind of past, I think we have big markets, big, uh, or I should say big crops digested down there. They are about done planting their second crop corn. So that's going to be the next real item to watch is their second crop corn. So April, May, June is very important for them, particularly from about the last half of April to the end of May. 
is critical for their second crop corn down there. It's a little bit dry, has been the, you know, the whole growing season down there. So if that trend continues, which by the way, that is their dry season is, you know, April, May, June. So they're going to need some rain on that second crop corn. Now with this acreage number here that we got um, for us, that makes it that much more important that Brazil has a, a big crop on their second crop corn that's basically just been put in the ground right now. So critical, you know, 60, 70 days ahead for them. And um, that probably is the next um, item that could affect us. Now, next week on the 9th, we've got our normal monthly crop report from the USDA, the April crop report. We'll get updates on any demand. We'll get updates on world production numbers. So there could be some tweaking there, particularly, you know, the market's going to watch those South American numbers, see where the USDA has those projections. And then the real important one comes in May. So, you know, a month from next week comes the May crop report, and that is the first snapshot and estimate of new crop, um, you know, production again. But what they'll do is they'll use this acreage number today. They'll use trend line yields, you know, which are up around 179 in corn and I think just north of 50 in beans. And then the real important part of the May crop report is going to be what they do with demand and what their assumption of, of demand is. And so this thing's gonna gonna get really interesting. We figured it'd be a wild one, but this assures that it's gonna be even more so as we go forward. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the volatility thing is is now setting the table for some swings. You know, these wide swings that we're gonna that we could possibly see based on these month to month reports. Yeah, 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 unbelievable. And it doesn't always have to be uh, make sense either, right? I mean, without this report, the price action, the charts were not in very good shape in, in corn, beans, and wheat especially. I mean, if you didn't have this kind of bullish shock, I'm afraid the corn and bean market were about to roll over and put a bigger correction in. It does look like there's an early spring coming. Um, you know, around here, central part of the Corn Belt and the I-States, I know specifically in Illinois, uh, it's supposed to, it's, it's pretty chilly out there today, tomorrow and into the early part of the weekend, but then it's warming up into the upper seventies, yeah. going to approach 80. There will, if we don't get some rain, we got a chance of rain this weekend. If we mostly miss that, there's going to be corn and beans going on the ground in central Illinois next week. That's pretty early. Um, you know, that doesn't, that's not bullish necessarily when you have corn and bean planters rolling in the first week in April across the I States at. That's not a bullish scenario brewing there, but I know we're, we're not uh, in a vacuum either because there's uh, dry weather on the radar in, in the Dakotas. There's too wet um, in the South, particularly Tennessee. Uh, they should be planting right now. They just got pounded with rain uh, here within the last week, five, six, seven plus inches flooding. Um, so there are yeah. some little pockets that are popping up that could affect things still this spring. Yep. And weather patterns, same thing you're talking about out here. I mean, we've got same deal. It's was 27 degrees this morning, 27 degrees yesterday morning. And I think going through the weekend, it's kind of starting to warm up Sunday's highs in the sixties or seventies, you know, so you now our sugar beet guys will be going. Typically they play on the 15th, but uh, you know, if it's 70 degrees next week, there's going to be a lot of guys that are, looking at hey you know i'm just gonna go ahead and start now and get it out of the way because there's nothing on the horizon right now that shows 
any real foul weather coming in the next 30 days. I don't, there's no models that I've seen where they've shown that. So the, yeah, it's going to be an early spring, probably earlier than what we saw last year. Um, get stuff under the way and everybody reads into that as being, Oh my God, it's going to be the biggest crop ever now because we got these extra growing days and so on and so forth. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of dryness creeping in to the Western part of, of Iowa and Minnesota and down that way now, Missouri and those kind of places too. But the other, the flip side of that too, is when you start looking at all the moving parts that we see happening here, I mean, this winter kill issue that we see with uh, potential winter kill issue that we saw in Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas during this uh, Nebraska, Colorado, and this, uh, this big freeze that we had, that's, how much of that you think is even factored in what we saw yesterday or today? I mean, yeah, I don't think any of it, honestly, that kind of seemed to have went away and the market started assuming we don't have any problems from that. I don't know if that's the case. I, it may take till harvest to kind of figure that out. To really see it. Um, yeah. So I'm, yeah, I, to your point, Casey, I, I don't know that uh, we've seen the, or uh, heard the last of that, uh, that freeze and winter kill issue that we, that we had we did get some rain i think the market focused on that mm-hmm. and that was beneficial but again I, i'm not sure that one rain event is going to make that crop so um you know that jury is still out and i think it's going to take till late may june to kind of get a little better handle on on that so that's still something that could affect things so a lot of stuff uh, a lot of stuff working here that uh, it's going to push and pull these markets but now the bar is just so high, right? Because of this acreage thing and because the demand and, and those are two things I think that we need to keep in the back of our mind here is, uh, wouldn't be a shock in my mind to find back some acres here. Eventually, typically early planning, you pick up acres anyway, right? Especially in corn. And it looks to me like it could be awful early in a lot of areas. So I, I think eventually on the June report, we could see a scenario where you could um, maybe have this be the smallest acreage number you see and, and add to that. And I'm fearful too, big picture that we've got the demand assumption too high. It's the exact opposite of a year ago. We had the demand assumptions way too low. We were nervous that China wasn't going to fill the trade agreement. We we're going to buy. Ended up, they had crop problems. They had African swine fever issues trying to repopulate their hog herd. They, they needed the, the grain. I'm not so sure that's going to be the case because I, I think part of that was a poor crop that they raised last year. And, you know, they've done at least some steps to re, um, you know, restock those supplies. And if they have an okay crop, you know, I'm not so sure that maybe we don't have the assumptions of Chinese demand way too high for this new crop and you won't know that overnight that's not going to be next week or next month but if you get three four months down the road five months and we're not seeing china continue with the buying that they have been on on that same pace uh, we're going to have to start lowering the demand projections and that's just going to go right to the bottom line and if you find back you know even if it's a half a million you find back a half a million corn acres a half a million bean acres we raise big crops all of a sudden it's not quite as bullish as what it looks like it could be today. So that opens the can of worms up for some massive volatility. And, you know, I just think it's prudent 
anytime you can get, you know, north of $5 new crop corn and north of $13 new crop beans, and it's not that far away, especially with expanded limits tomorrow, I just think a guy's got to be thinking gross margins and what can I do to lock profitability in but keep the upside open because uh, that's a pretty good feeling through the through the summer, right? All that volatility, all that uncertainty. You can put yourself in a position that it really doesn't matter if corn ends up at seven bucks or three fifty and beans at seventeen or back to ten. You're 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 covering your margin. You got profitability locked in, and it's a there's a lot of other things to worry about, and and uh, price doesn't have to be one of them. And I think. Fingers crossed and knock on wood, we might be in the process of kind of getting that stage set where we can kind of do that. And, uh, and that's a good feeling. It's going to take some maneuvering, but, uh, that's a, that's a good thing. It's a long time, been a long time since we mm-hmm. can, uh, have done that. Yep. And especially with the, uh, the tightness of the stocks and what they look like right now. I mean, like you said, one little blip, one little micro blip either way, is going to make a big swing in the markets too. So plenty of stuff for guys to be thinking about. Absolutely. Livestock side too has, has been very interesting. You know, hogs on a huge tear here. Uh, June hogs uh, north of 105. Uh, you know, per- personally, I think uh, we got potential for, you know, maybe all-time highs in the, in the hogs here. We're not even in the main demand season, you know. Getting north of 100 in, in March, pretty unprecedented. Cattle finally turned the corner. Box beef is has really shot higher. We've seen better cash trade here finally. And, uh, and now today you had a weird, weird deal, right? Limit up corn should have been sharply, sharply lower, if not limit down feeders. They did close lower, but, but something strange happened here. June cattle were able to close higher on the day, uh, you know, about a buck uh, or more off their lows. You finally, and we saw this in 2012 too, with the big run higher in the grain and bean market, uh, it, it eventually spills over and the grain start lifting the livestock. And I think maybe this cattle action today is starting to hint that. So if we continue up in corn, yeah, I think that'll actually start being a friendly scenario to the cattle complex and actually uh, pull that higher. But you got some explosive potential in in the livestock sector, so it looks like from an ag side in general, things are looking pretty good right now. Yep, good stuff. Well, no better reason for folks to be looking at their plan and revamping that plan and, and dial that stuff in, just like you've been talking about. If folks want to reach out to you and see what kind of help you can give them, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, best way is just give us a call at the office, 309-550-7213. Love to chat with you. Lots to talk about right now and lots to think about as it comes to building and executing a marketing plan going into this growing season here. Right on. Well, thanks, Chip, for being on the podcast. You bet. Always fun. And it's always it's going to be more exciting now with this report. That, that's for sure. Absolutely. Just pushed a few more uh, chips in the pot here. So this poker yeah. hand is getting uh, pretty, pretty interesting here. Plenty of stuff to keep you busy. That's for sure. So. All right. Well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also go to movingironllc.com. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the podcast. 
also blogs I've written. Also, you're going to be able to find information about Moving Iron Summit coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, September 15th to the 17th at the Renaissance Hotel right there off of Broadway. So uh, a lot of great information there, a lot of great speakers, a lot of great places for people to uh, come and network. So if you're a dealer of any kind and you want to get information about that, hit me up at uh, Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com or just go through the website there at the top of the moving iron summit link follow that link and you get all the information about how to how to register for the event so with that i am casey seymour with chip nellinger let's go be smart folks out you want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment whether you represent the sales parts or management department of an implement dealership there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire wheel and track technology let axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The reach of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher